Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm Sammy Womack, and I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement, and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. I have another great interview lined up for you guys this week. I have Aunt Kara on the podcast with us, and she is going to be sharing where to start with travel hacking, how to not get overwhelmed by the process, and some fun stories about her family's trips over the years. Plus, she is giving us a look inside of her well-rounded lifestyle and a peek into her wealth-building strategies. So Kara is a wife of 26 years, a mom of two teenagers, and an aunt of millennials. And she actually will tell us the story about how she came up with her Instagram name, Aunt Kara. And she and her husband, Mark, have built a financially successful life for themselves. They have two paid-off homes. They have two fully-funded 529s for their kids and they max out their retirement accounts every single year. So although she has taken on debt for houses and vehicles and she is a proud owner of credit cards for the benefit of travel hacking, she is a firm believer in living beneath her means, focusing on long-term goals and still having fun along the way. So I think you guys are really going to love her story and all of the insight that she shares with us. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you guys to jump over and check out my YouTube channel. I have been putting out so many fun videos. I've been putting out a motivational Monday video every single Monday and then either a lifestyle or a budgeting video every single Saturday. I recently just put out a really fun Dollar Tree fall decor haul and my oldest daughter June and I actually go to Dollar Tree take you guys along for the ride we come home we do this whole Dollar Tree haul and then me and all three of the girls do craft projects and decorate the house and so we walk you through this whole process in this video and it is such a fun video so I'd love for you guys to jump over check it out and subscribe to my channel while you're there all right let's welcome Kara to the podcast All right, everyone, I am here with Kara, and I am so excited for you guys to hear all of the amazing questions I have lined up for her. So welcome, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Thanks, Sammy. So I am Kara. I go by Aunt Kara on Instagram, and I love talking about anything and everything personal finance. I also, as many people know, love travel hacking. That's one of my, my big hobbies. And I do post about it every week. I try to make it on Tuesdays, Travel Hack Tuesday. But I've been on Instagram for a couple years now and um, was inspired by my nieces and nephews to set up an account and share a lot of tips and my experience with money and just give them advice. And social media was a good platform. Instagram, they all had accounts, was a good way to share stories with them because they're all in their 20s and they're true adults. And because of that, I needed a way to be able to reach out to them. It was a way that I can kind of push my stories out there and, you know, they can listen to the ones they want to listen to or ignore them all. I don't know. I don't think they ignore them all. But (laughs) but so that's why my account is called Aunt Kara. And I left my account as, you know, open to anyone else who was interested. So it's a a public account. And um, 
it's grown quite a bit over the last couple of years. Yeah. So now um, many other people ask me questions and listen to my stories and are interested in some of the things I've done over my lifetime so far. I am 49 years old, so I've had, like I always say, 26 years of adulthood <laughs> and stories and experiences and life changes that I can share and, you know, some of the things we did right and wrong. And again, you know, as people are trying to learn and make decisions of their own, I think it's helpful to hear from someone else what they've gone through. I think we feel that way about anything in life and, and money is so hush hush and top secret people aren't very comfortable as we know talking in person about money there's embarrassment there's competitiveness about finances and it becomes awkward to talk about that to your friends and family so sometimes going to the internet and talking to strangers ends up being a lot more helpful and people are a lot more open-minded so I've really found that platform, you know, the Instagram platform to be great to share all this information. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I love following you and I always kind of, I thought it was kind of fun that that was your Instagram name was Aunt Kara. Like I didn't really realize the backstory behind it, but that's even more fun actually. So I love it. And I just feel like you're like someone that a lot of people look to for advice. And that's why I wanted to have you on specifically for your travel hacking. And for me, it's a little scary. So I'm really excited to ask you um, a couple of those questions. But I want to know just a little bit more about your background and your story. And I know that you post a lot about your husband and that you've been married for so long. And I would like to know a little bit of like, what are your secrets for a happy marriage and what, you know, so many people struggle, I think with money and communication and all of that with their partners. Do you have any quick advice or secrets that you want to share with anyone? We've always looked at each other as equals. Um, from day one. So my husband, my husband, Mark, I, I met him when we were only 16. We got married when we were 23. We didn't date that whole time. We didn't even date when we first met, but, but I will say getting married at, at 23, it does feel like we've grown up together quite a bit, <laughs> quite yeah. a bit because we're going through so many things. Um, you know, we now have two kids that are in high school and, you know, it's 26 years later since we've been married, but really we've been in it together and started as far as financially, like started with nothing. So we didn't have some of those struggles. I think sometimes that people get when they get married a little later in life or they bring in either wealth or debt into the relationship where there's this ownership, either you're protective or, you know, you're resistant to take on someone else's financial situation. And so I will say, you know, we were lucky that we really started from zero. We didn't have debt, but we didn't have any money. I mean, we had like a couple hundred dollars when we got married. We got married right before we started our first jobs. And that was crazy, a very crazy summer. But we had to build everything together. So I will say we have the advantage of, of that, that that we felt like we're equals, you know, this is all teamwork. We, we had a joint account from day one, everything was shared. Now over time, as life evolves, your jobs change, your circumstances, your expenses, uh, your income, things change so much and you have to be able to adapt to those things. And, you know, our life now is nothing like it was back, you know, when we were first married. Um, there's no doubt we have excessive communication in our relationship. We are both big talkers. We aren't people that hide our feelings, the good and the bad. We're very expressive people. And so if, um, you know, if we don't agree with something, 
we pretty much say it, but we're very respectful. And I think like respect and trust, right? Whether it's money or any other aspect of a relationship has to be there. But when it comes to money and I did, you know, if anybody wants to check it out and do a deeper dive on the whole marriage and money thing, I did not only just a a post about that on Instagram, but I did a live stream about it too. So it's a good one if you want to say, okay, but just tell me more, give me more stories about that. Please check that out. But um, everything was shared and everything was equal. And even when it came to, this is one of my big things, even when it came to income, which is such a touchy subject. And I hear a lot of people and I know a lot of people where that gets a, a little rough with you know, changing the rights in your relationship or whether it's someone feeling like they don't have the right or someone telling them they don't have the right because they don't make as much money as the other person, you know, whether it's you're a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad, or you just have different, you know, careers and industries that pay differently. And we definitely don't have the same income at all. My income is, is higher. It has been for nearly all of our marriage. Never does that affect any decision we ever make. Again, equals teamwork, et cetera. So I love that. Yeah. We're a lot of the same in that way. Like we've been married almost 12 years, which seems like a lot for me. Um, but we're a lot of the same way as like I've always stayed home with the kids, but and he's always been the main income earner. And we've always from the beginning were equals. We have different roles, but we have equal voices. And we've always shared the money and it's always been our money and it's always been our paycheck. And I did that intentionally. I would say that intentionally in the beginning of our marriage. And now I just say it, it's our payday. It's our, you know, and I remember in the beginning of our marriage before we even had kids, we had a disagreement about money. He had spent like $600 that I was not okay with him spending, which is a really long story. And I said, we share money, do we not? And that's not how I want to spend my money, you know? And I remember him, I remember him being like, this is my money. And I'm like, excuse me. And we were, it was like the first year of marriage. And I said, we share money. If you don't want to share it with me, um, I'll go find someone else to share money and life with. And that was, and like, we have never had that discussion since then. That is us in a nutshell when it comes to sharing money. Right. And I think that reflects, and I mean, and it's the right philosophy to have. And thank goodness you had that early on the way we look at money is no different you know you brought up your roles in the relationship is no different than the way we look at our roles in our relationship so you know money is a slice yes it's super important but it's a slice of our overall relationship and when it comes to being equals and like who's in charge of cooking meals who's in charge of taking care of kids or helping with homework and all of that there has never been a time where like that's your thing because that's a traditional female role that's your thing because you're the man of the house Like there are some things you're just naturally better at, but we have never like put each other in certain roles. Like that's your thing. And I don't do that. There, everything he has done, I have done as well, but you've got to share the load in every way. And so finances, money, income, whatever, you know, making those decisions, it's just another aspect of it. That's good advice. And that's good to hear from you. Um, So I would like a little more on your take on how you have built wealth. And I'm going to link to a recent Instagram post that you've done where you were kind of talking about the non-traditional or I don't know if traditional, but like the non-Dave Ramsey way, (laughs) let's put it that way. And your kind of take on Dave Ramsey's path to building wealth versus what you have actually done. Yeah. So that post was a very popular post. (laughs) There are a lot of comments on that. I, I thought it may, may stir up some conversation, which 
is the best thing about Instagram, how interactive it is. And, and I'm right there and, you know, ready to respond or answer questions. And, and that's what I love about it too. But, um, but yeah, so this path I took, well, I'll just give this disclaimer too. I did not know who Dave Ramsey was till maybe 10 ish years ago. Someone I worked with brought him up and I Googled him because I just, it's not that I've always cared about personal finance, but the only like person I knew of was Susie Orman because the things she talked about were more in line with what I was interested in. I was never in a situation where I was digging out of large amount of debt that was due to like credit cards or student loans. So in this post over the weekend, I talked about that I've had some sort of debt and I mean anything. So some people don't like to call mortgages debt, even though it is it all is, but, but I get it. Um, it's a different debt. So over, you know, these 26 years, I've said 23 of them, I've had some sort of loan. And at the same time, we've built all kinds of wealth. We, we have two houses that are paid off. I have two 529 plans that are fully funded for my kids who are still in high school. You know, I have a year of emergency savings put away. We're investing outside of retirement that we max all the time. Like we've done that, but we have always had some sort of loan. And so to talk about, you know, like my opinions of Dave Ramsey, it's hard because I haven't been in the shoes of the diehard followers mm -hmm. and the people that have been successful using his program. You know, I feel like I would just be judging because I don't have any real experience with his methods, but I definitely didn't follow the whole never get a loan again, never have a car alone, never, or, or even a vehicle. So our loans consisted of different real estate and it wasn't for investment purposes. It's real estate that we use or have used and it's vehicles like boats and cars. So again, no credit card, no student loans. So the interest rates associated with those type of loans is much, is much lower. So my concept and, and the way I've viewed things and really like my, the foundational belief that I've had all along is live well beneath your means. And that is the way that we have lived our life all along because we have saved money since day one. You know, I signed up for my 401k account in my first job and I didn't max it out my first year or anything like that. We could have never afforded that. But slowly as my income increased, I was increasing that savings right along with it where that gap between, you know, our expenses were and what our income was kept getting bigger versus everything going in parallel and then really never getting ahead, kind of just living at the same pace or the, the, the percentage of, of gap. But my mentality was if you are in a situation where, you know, if you lost your job, if you got a significant pay cut and you didn't skip a beat, maybe you had to cut back on some savings, but your lifestyle or what you could provide for your family or, you know, pay your mortgage or whatever, you could still, you know, you could still maintain that then I felt pretty secure. And so as long as I felt secure with those scenarios, I didn't feel like I was at risk when this great property came along up near my parents' lake house. And we already had a house that we were paying a mortgage on, but we bought one that was so much less than we qualified for. We had a lot of extra to work with and qualify for to buy this lake home. And when I call it that, understand that it was... <laughs> The cost of this lake home at the time, which was 20 years ago, was $39,000. So don't think I'm talking about having two homes that had these, some kind of high value. But my point is, is that that type of opportunity that came along and many other situations, I wasn't going to look at that and say, no, I'm not allowed to because I haven't paid off my primary house. 
and think maybe in 20 years when I don't have a mortgage, I'll be able to turn around and, and do something like that. You've just missed out on 20, 20 years of life, you know, and, and some of the things that I wanted to give our family and provide and the experiences and the way I wanted to live. And again, we were still in a situation because again, that, that house wasn't like we were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on, didn't put us in a position where we were barely getting by. We were still well beneath our means. And that was just always my motto. Like if we could stay there. And so the loan was worth, the loan was worth it. It's hard to, to explain that to people because it's like a judgment call when you say something like, you know, your quality of life. Mm-hmm. But my mm-hmm. thought is like to pay off everything and not wait to do some of these things when the opportunity presents itself until 26 years out, like, you know, okay, now finally I can get a place. My kids are almost out the door. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's, there's life experiences that sometimes loans bring you. Now that house is paid off now. It's been paid off longer than, than this house and this house is paid off and we are able to do things over time. I mean, every loan I've ever had, we've paid off early. So never gone the full term. But that just that philosophy of no loans is not something yeah. that I can 100% get behind because the loans we've had on certain cars that were absolutely needed for what we're doing, and I drive cars till they die and again, pay them off early. But some of those things enable you to do things in life that otherwise would create a lot of stress and struggle if you didn't have those. And when the interest rates are low and you're still investing money, that's making some great rates over these last 20 years. Like I don't feel like I made a mistake when I turn around and, you know, there's some specific things like, I'm like, Oh, I probably didn't have to buy a new car that time. That, that wasn't a good idea, you know, but other times where I'm like, I don't see how I could have not, you know, we would have missed out on so much like with our boat and things like that, where it had been, what would we have done? You know, I, I don't, I know it's kind of a tough subject and I'm kind of going on about it, but it's a judgment call. But then there's this fine line of like YOLO, Mm -hmm. right? Where you just go, well, you know, my kids are only little once. And then you just do something that becomes a burden. And if any financial hardship hits you, now what? Oh my gosh, it's panic mode. I've never been in a situation where I've been in too deep. And we always looked at the numbers, ran scenarios, worst case scenario, what's going to happen if this, you know, and make sure we had a plan. You know, these were thoughtful decisions, but we weren't paying cash for everything we bought. Yeah. So it's a long answer. I'm sorry. No, it's great. It's that's kind of where we are, which is really the selfish reason why I wanted to have you on is because I feel like in my personal life, which I, you're giving me a counseling session here, um, <laughs> is I feel like we're kind of at that turning point. Like we have been on our debt-free journey for six years. Um, we were debt-free for about two and a half years before we bought our land that we recently bought. And now congrats on that. Thank you. We are back in debt, but we're back in debt. Like, 107,000 and we were so scared and it's half of it is like a PTSD and half of it is like almost like a Dave Ramsey brainwashing where you're just like, no, it's bad. It's bad. And we've been cash flowing all of our vehicles, like all through all of this, we've cash flowed two different boats, a truck, my suburban, um, a camper, a tractor. Like we've been cash flowing these like mid priced things. So we're like, okay, we're doing this, we're doing this. But then we got to the point with our land. We're like, all right, we're not going to save 120,000 to buy this land in cash. No. (laughs) So we're kind of in that, like trying to go back into debt, but do it responsibly. And it's, so it's been a little weird, but I feel like now kind of what you were saying of that line of 
we are well below our means. I mean, our land payment is $600 a month. It's just less money to go to savings. But it's almost yeah. like a relearning after you've kind of been Dave Ramsey brainwashed. It's like, oh God, what? A, okay, it's okay. Yeah, you never want to go back to that. But, yeah. you know, I feel like there's some kind of middle ground there. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to find that middle ground and it's a weird, uncharted place yeah. for me. How do I be in debt but be responsible? And right. how do I trust myself again? Which that kind of leads me into the whole credit card thing. Okay. So I am someone who did abuse credit cards very bad. I mean, like legit stupid, stupid things on these credit cards. We were like maxed out credit cards, way crazy stuff. And so even though we have been debt free for so long now, I still don't have a credit card because I still don't trust myself. So, and that's still part of that Dave Ramsey brainwashing, like it's bad, it's bad. And so I have been trying to grow and trying to get myself to a healthy place with credit cards. So I kind of want to know, first of all, what would be your advice for someone in my situation who has grown enough that they know they won't abuse them, but is still kind of nervous? So let's start with that question. <laughs> I would absolutely say to use your credit card for some of your standard expenses, like your not not the nice to haves, but the have to haves, like your cell phone bill, mm -hmm. things like if you do have a streaming service, if you do have internet um, or cable, some of those things that you're not gonna you're not gonna go wild with that. Those those can be auto paid. You don't even have to physically be carrying around a card to to make sure those things are paid. And then basically instead of paying your bill to your internet provider, you're paying it to your credit card instead. It's just you know one more stop. So that's one way if you're saying, I'm interested in getting back into credit cards because I like to dabble in travel hacking and take advantage of earning points. Some of those like things that are pretty much on autopilot as far as they're always the same amount every month and you're not going to splurge on of that in any way. And then if you're even ready to move on to say, I'm just going to designate this at, you know, for my groceries or for my gasoline for my car. Again, things that you can budget for and things that now, now groceries, you know, you can go wild on at grocery stores. I mean, my, oh, yeah. my grocery bill can absolutely fluctuate based on a mood I'm in or how hungry I am. I mean, that's just the way we all are. So that one's a little bit trickier because people can actually, you know, yeah. blow their budget on groceries for sure. But, you know, something like gasoline, like where you say, I'm just going to route these regular expenses. I'm going to know my budget. I'm going to still track it. So it's not like, because I don't physically have cash in my hand, I'm not going to pay attention to what I just spent. I mean, you've got a receipt, you're going to be able to reconcile it to what you budgeted. So you could designate specific categories like that to use your card for, and then say, other than that, I'm not carrying it around. You know, I'm not taking it out when I go out with my friends or go to a restaurant or go to TJ Maxx. <laughs> I like to use TJ Maxx as my, cause it's my weakness, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have cash in hand for those things because I know myself and those are riskier situations where in the moment I might be like, oh, it's fine. I'll have the money by the time a bill comes. So I think you can ease into things. And, and when I say ease into it, you can just decide like, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of the year. And I'm just going to see how it works and make it into an experiment. The other thing some people do, and I've only done this a couple times for specific reasons, but where people will pay off their bill as they go. And whether it's the next day after you charge something, or if it's just like once a week, you're going to go in there and pay off that balance. Cause you hate mentally, you hate that expense hanging over your head, thinking about the fact that you still owe that. 
and you know it's coming at the end of the month and you just kind of want it off your mind. I do that sometimes with bigger expenses where like, say we're gonna buy a new appliance in the kitchen and we have the cash for it, but I'm totally gonna route it through my card because I want the points that I don't wanna see that added into our normal expenses when I get my bill at the end of the month. And I'm just like, I'm making a payment on that for the, the exact amount of that refrigerator because I don't wanna see that at the end of the month. So. It takes effort, right? That's an extra step. And some people are like, uh, sounds like a lot of work. I'm not messing with it. Well, then, you know, you can stick to cash. I'm, I had plenty of years where we went all debit card. So before I really went hard with travel hacking, we were all about debit cards because I just wanted it out. I wanted to know exactly how much money I really had. I didn't want it in my account. Then there was a point when I started wanting to travel more and ran into somebody at work that was like way better at travel hacking than still than I could ever be, believe it or not. <laughs> and he taught me all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, all right. And I came home to Mark and I was like, you ready to dive into this and go all credit cards instead of debit cards? Can we handle it? Cause it's totally a team effort. And he was like, that's fine. As long as you, you tell me what I'm doing and you know, cause he pays the bills and that, and I know that you're keeping tabs on it all annual fees and all that stuff. So we, we changed our whole approach. Yeah. Um, that was back in 2012. So I knew it would be more effort. And we really did talk about it. Like, I'm like, you want to dive into this? Because we had some big trips we wanted to take over the next few years. Yeah, we've kind of started to have that conversation. And my husband's still like, eh, I don't trust myself. You know, the, those people who say, well, I'm doing it for the points, but like they're paying so much in interest that like that math does not work out. And then they end up kind of making themselves like an idiot. You know, like that's kind of, he's afraid of being one of those people and those looking people. looking like that. And well, the points, the points, you're, paying thousands of dollars in interest you're an idiot right. like no. no yeah if you pay any type of interest um or are purchasing things for the points no, no. it defeats the purpose 100 <laughs> percent. i tell people if you cannot pay off your card at the end of the month on time do not get into travel hacking there's no way that you're going to come out ahead yeah that means the cards beat you at the game yeah i never let them beat me <laughs> Yeah. I think that's still his biggest fear. And like, we still kind of have that like PTSD. Uh, yeah. I understand. So we're, we're trying to get there. We're trying to get there, but I would like to know a little bit more about the, the specific travel that you've been able to do. Like what kind of deals have you snagged? Where have you been able to visit and things like that? So we've been doing this since 2012. And since then we have done over $65,000 in free travel. And as far as where we've gone, I will say we are domestic travelers. Our personal interests, or I should say my husband and kids' personal interests, we always find places we want to go in the United States. So my examples are all going to be in the U.S., but... Um, but we end up going to a lot of um, beaches. <laughs> that's our that's our thing. We use our points for family travel, and we love warm weather and beaches. And so we do love big cities too. So our trips definitely include DC. We've done a couple New York trips, lots of Florida trips. It just winds up being a good spring break place. We've gone to California a couple times on our points. Denver is another place. But, you know, our number one destination is Hawaii. Um, so I, we're huge Hawaii junkies. We've done, I, I think it's 11 trips, but every single trip had some component of points and miles being used. So 
our very first trip way back when I earned points the traditional way of actually flying tons and earning points. And I wasn't, I mean, it was a travel hack, but I wasn't doing anything with credit cards, but I just traveled so much for work. I got a lot of points and we took a trip when our very first free trip was to Oahu and we stayed in Waikiki and that was our first travel hack. So like we knew how great it was, but then I stopped traveling after I had kids. So we, we had to find new creative ways to earn points, but, um, by far, Hawaii is like our number one destination. We did love Puerto Rico as well. We stayed at a couple awesome resorts in Puerto Rico a few years ago. We've done some like one-offs where it's just Mark and I, or, you know, it's a guy's trip or a girl's trip, but our big family vacations, I would say the majority have been um, Florida and Hawaii. I love that. And, and I'll tell you the one, that, the one regret of as far as what one did I probably make a mistake <laughs> with was one when my son was only, God, I think he was like nine weeks old. Mm. We went to Phoenix, Arizona at a resort, but the amount of points that we used there were the same amount of points that we had used like two years earlier to stay at a place in Hawaii. And it was such a disappointment. The place we ended up staying in Arizona one, the weather wasn't, wasn't great at all. I had a newborn baby that was totally stressed out about it was too it was too much too soon and it wasn't the right location and the whole trip i kept thinking this was not worth a hundred thousand points i can't believe the same amount of points could have got me back to waikiki beach why did we come here this was such a waste of my points like i was totally obsessed with like how i wasted my points and you know, we weren't getting the same, same value of trip or quality of trip that, that we had before with the same number of points. So that was one of my biggest regrets. But I think too, I was kind of in another state of mind, kind of just in another world for a while after oh, you yeah. have your first baby. Oh, yeah, For sure. So we're, we're like, kind of, I mean, we camp a lot. We, we do yeah. stuff like that, but we're kind of like, all right, we're ready to, our, our kids aren't babies anymore. We're ready to start doing some real trips. And so that's kind of where we started to be interested in it. And yeah. it's really exciting. So what advice would you give to someone who, like me, who's just like starting out and there's so many options and it's, there's a lot of facts out there. So what are just a couple of things that you would say um, for someone who's feeling overwhelmed by getting started? Yeah, I would say start with a goal. So you hear a lot of people that rattle off how many points they have in various programs. And that's all great that, that you have all these, you know, points accumulated. But if you don't use them, they aren't worth anything. So you need to do some upfront research and one, figure out like, you know, where do you as a family want to go? Like, where's a place, you know, I wouldn't, I don't want to say start small, but don't start too big where you recognize a little bit into it that it's going to take some crazy amount. So it like international travel, okay, it takes a lot more points, you know, for those flights, not so much the hotels, but the flights, you know, maybe you do something that's more reasonable, um, you know, a, a pretty standard domestic type of trip, but pick your destination first and say, where do we want to go? Because when you have a goal, it's just like with personal finance, when you have a goal that you're working towards and it's very specific, you're going to be more motivated to make progress with it and feel like, all right, we're almost, we're halfway there. We're halfway to our goal to get our free trip. It's a way to measure progress and that keeps you going. And, and then the second step is to do the research to say what airlines fly there and what hotels are there. So you understand like, okay, where would we stay and how would we get there? Because those are the type of programs you're going to want to align yourself with. Some people end up signing up for something that sounds like a great deal, say with Delta. And then they look at their airport and they're like, Delta doesn't even fly. You know, we'd have to do two stops 
clear across the country to even finally get to that destination if we'd have delta points with you know that's not the airline i'm going to go with so you need to know the airlines that align with that destination the hotels and then the third step is find out how many points it's actually going to take so then you can measure against it so you can say all right you know it's going to take a hundred thousand miles to have all four of us fly i'm just making this up and then you can again track your progress to know okay if if i signed up for this card over you know we we were able to get a sign up bonus over these three months and then you signed up for a card and then the next three months okay so six months we're going to have x amount of point or miles how many flights is that actually going to give us like so you do have to do the diligence everybody just wants to jump in and sign up for a card and figure it out later you won't be as successful it, you won't make the progress you won't you won't get as much of the trip covered on points if you don't figure out that goal up front and do some of the legwork. And it's easy. I mean, that's something like I tell people go, well, I'm not quite ready, but I can't wait till I do it. That doesn't stop you from doing the research. Right. You can do the research today and it costs you nothing. You're not signing up for one single card. You can look up points in all these programs without having a loyalty account or having their credit card. There's a, on the hotels, it's just a little tab where you can view a room rate in cash or a room rate in points. So you can do all that research up front before you sign up for one single card. Same thing with airlines. It's a tab that you click back. Is it going to book the trip with miles or are you going to book the trip with cash? Lay out your scenario and then start figuring out what cards or, you know, the different ways that you would want to, you know, earn those points to ultimately, you know, get that free trip. Yeah. So that cost the research costs nothing so i always say start start there there's no risk that's really helpful that that actually makes me feel not so overwhelmed about it so thank you for sharing that i think another fear maybe for some people is the lifestyle creep and i kind of have that nervous feeling that we are going to somehow spend more in the name of getting those rewards. So do you have any tips to share with us to kind of avoid that other than what you've shared about only charging maybe your bills or something like that, but the lifestyle creep in general? Lifestyle creep, another, <laughs> another big topic that I've talked about recently and, you know, did a, a live stream on, I think having the end goal in mind all along, and it's not just what's your end goal, because everybody talks about, you know, retirement and that like, that's the end all be all is when you no longer have to work. Like there's a lot of life to live before you get to that point. And I think I'm an example of that. It gets back, to, it all ties together to the loans and, and the experiences that you have along the way to that path, knowing what you're ultimately trying to achieve and understanding the impact of every decision along the way is, is what helps. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are very much striving for fire, mm -hmm. right? Fire, you know, financially independent, retire early. I've never had that on my radar, like the, the retire early piece. Now, you know, if I wanted to be more, if I have, would have had that goal, there would be different decisions I would have made a lot earlier. I would have made that gap in my, you know, what I earned and what I spent a lot bigger so I could save a lot more than we did. And I feel like we saved a lot, but could there have been even more? Yes. If we would have made decisions around, don't buy that lake house, don't buy that boat, then we, you know, would have more money. And in that end goal, you know, we could potentially retire earlier, but that wasn't our ultimate goal. So along the way, and talking about lifestyle creep, it's almost like your, uh, your North Star, mm -hmm. right? That guides mm -hmm. you in everything you do. 
in, in all your decisions. You've got to kind of know what that is because then you make decisions and understand what you're going to sacrifice and what you're not going to sacrifice along the way. And I think that help, helps drive those lifestyle creep decisions. It has with ours. And when can, I can look at certain financial things and say, if I increase my budget in my entertainment spending and it suddenly goes up compared to what it was last year, what does that mean to my ultimate goal? How much less can I save? If I save less, how much longer then is it going to take me to get to my ultimate goal, which may be retiring? Does that put an extra yeah. year? Does that put two years onto my goal? Like it all works together. And it's a lot to think about, but if you don't think about it, we all know what's what happens. We all end up in a position we don't want to want to be in. And I don't look at it as a burden, like trying to figure those things out. It's not too much for me, but I've had years behind me to see that it's all been worth it. Putting that extra thought and time and doing that analysis and those purchases. You know, some people are like, I just want to spend and not think about it and just hope it all works out. Well, yeah, everybody wants that. <laughs> but, but I think, and it's not just the end goal. It's some of those other things along the way. Like if you're saving for a house or you're saving for your kid's college, again, you just have to do analysis with those bigger bigger decisions. And even the small stuff, like increasing your entertainment budget or those little buying a fancier car than you probably would have bought five years ago. That's all, you know, under the umbrella of lifestyle creep and it adds yeah. up. Yeah. Even um, putting it into terms of years till your retirement. I actually said that same thing to my husband when we bought our land, I wanted to spend like about 80 grand and we spent about 120 and I said, I mean, before we bought it, I said, okay, I mean, you're the one that has to work another a year or two longer because we're going, you know, 40,000 more into debt than I wanted to go. And I said, and I had that figured into your retirement age. And he's like, I love this property. I'll work another year and a half for it. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm warning you. <laughs> Conscious decision. Yeah. You understand the sacrifices or the consequences. And yeah. when you say, you know what, it's worth it. It's worth it. I know, I know I won't look back and say, yeah. oh gosh, what was I thinking? That's the best way to put it in terms that it will make sense to him is like, okay, you're going to be at your job this much longer. And he's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So um, do you have any advice that you would give to the former version of yourself or someone who relates to the beginning of your story? I feel like, you know, we... I don't think we did everything right all along. I think there are probably a lot of little things we could have tweaked, smaller decisions along the way. But when I think of like something bigger that I wish I would have done earlier is understand more about investing. I feel like there was probably missed opportunities in some of our early decisions around investing. I think there were some things like that were almost autopilot, like with my retirement accounts, I don't have any regrets there. Like I know that every time, you know, I got a raise, I bumped up my contribution. I did all the right thing, textbook things. So it's not so much about my retirement, but just the overall concept of investing and even outside of retirement where when we would dabble in stocks here and there, like even 10, 15 years ago and me not understanding enough about mutual funds and index funds and what that meant. And I feel like, I think we could have been further ahead of the game if I had gotten this, because I think I'd have been excited about it, but I didn't know enough to really get into it. Like now I'm excited about funds, which is funny. You know, I track them and I compare them and I adjust things, you know, and I research industries and 
I, I just didn't pay enough attention, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I feel like I definitely missed out. You know, my story isn't digging out of debt kind of thing where we've made some major financial decisions. It's just like more of me, like what opportunities did I miss? But I really didn't have anyone to teach me, like as good as my parents were with money, but the investing wasn't like my parents' thing either. So no one yeah. really showed me that. I just kind of had to learn on my own. So, Which I think is where a lot of us are, definitely. <laughs> Everything that I feel like I've learned about budgeting or any kind of personal finance has been really self-taught or from meeting people on Instagram through the podcast, things like that. And so... Yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of that self-teaching. So, which is kind of great and to anyone listening that if we can figure it out and go in and teach ourselves to do the things that we've done, then everyone else can too. I agree. So what else do you have going on in the Aunt Carol world? Like what else can people expect to see from you in the future? Yeah, so I have no plans to stop um, doing my Instagram posts that every Tuesday I post about travel hacking and then other things are, you know, just personal finance related. A lot of times I just want to talk about mindset of, of personal finance, but um, on top of the Instagram account, I am relaunching my website. AuntCara.com is going to make a comeback. Um, it's looking beautiful. And what I plan to do with that is provide even more information, but I also can write longer posts. Of course, I don't have the constraints. And then I think that my website will be an opportunity to, to um, post a lot of the Q and A I receive and just put it out there for everyone to reference. I'm excited. I, I have heard from a reliable source V um, that the website is amazing. And whenever we, um, set up this interview, she's like, get her to talk about the website because you guys have been working on the website and she's like, it's oh. fantastic. It's, it's amazing. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, she is great. Yeah. She's great to work with. So, um, you know, she and I were good and I had a vision for this whole way to separate out the content in the way that I think I would want to look at it and to try to get straight to the point. Mm -hmm. I, so I, I did organize it in themes and it's beautiful. V did an awesome yeah. job. And I can't wait to see it. I know that she's, she does amazing work. So I will make sure to link to your Instagram and I have a couple of Instagram posts and some of your highlights that I want to link to for people as well, like your lifestyle creep highlight and some other great posts that you had um, if people haven't seen those yet. So thank you so much for taking time to share with us. I feel like it was really selfish for me. Like I had all these questions where like personal questions I wanted to ask you. And so I'm like, let's put it on the podcast to share with everyone. So I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks, Sammy, so much for having me. It's fun. Yes. Okay. So I will link to all your stuff in the show notes and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye guys. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend because you never know who needs to hear this message. If you haven't already, please leave a review and subscribe. Reviews and subscribers are what help the podcast grow and what help new ladies find our community. And again, thanks for hitting play on this episode and for investing some time in yourself today. Remember that I'm always here to support you and I'm always cheering you on along the way. Don't forget that everything that we mentioned in this episode will be linked in the show notes. All right, that's all for me this week. Bye, guys.